0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Robots Radio presents... You're listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. The best way for everyone from experienced dungeon masters to those curious about D&D to learn more about the worlds, creatures, and lore of Dungeons & Dragons. Hello and welcome to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. My name is Sergio. I will be your host this week. I will be your sole host as Crit will not be joining us. He had familial obligations, a child's birthday, which as we all know, birthdays are important, whether they be on the material plane or in the Forgotten Realms or even the Domains of Dread, which is exactly what we will be talking about this week. Part three of our Ravenloft series. We're going to take a close look at some of the biggest domains of dread known um, that are known to uh, to Dungeons and Dragons fans. Uh, a lot of this material comes from from Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. And so, if you are unfamiliar with uh, what we're talking about, if you want to ref- if you want to get more information on a particular domain of dread, that's definitely your easiest uh, source of information, you know, one to uh, to procure and also uh, the most up-to-date as well. So without further ado, let's just go ahead and just dive right into it. So before we get started, we want to talk about the, like, there are genres of horror as described by man Ricken's Guide to, to Ravenloft. And each domain Uh, subscribes to at least one of them and possibly up to two or three Um, so these genres of horror are known as body which um, like it's like transformations like uh, abnormal growths or gore even I think the metamorphosis by Franz Kafka where a man uh, slowly turns into a giant fly then there is cosmic horror which is just pure, unadulterated existential dread, like just pure Lovecraftian uh, in nature. Dark fantasy is the next one. Um, it's sort of the, the traditional fantasy genre, but darker, uh, grimier, like more terrifying. Um, a good example of that would be uh, Pan's Labyrinth, the film by Guillermo del Toro. Uh, next up is folklore. Uh, think remote villages with strange, often uh, dangerous, and like terrifying beliefs tied to ancient lore. A, uh, a very popular recent example is Midsummer. Um, and then uh, one that goes further back in time, but just as terrifying, is Wicker Man. Uh, then there are ghost stories, which are probably the most recognizable. It's usually uh, usually a ghost is tied to our to the material plane uh, due to a thirst for justice or even vengeance. Um, poltergeist being a pretty good example of the latter, and then there's gothic horror, uh, tales of great tragedy, exaggerated emotions, picturesque architecture. Bram Stoker's Dracula is the quintessential gothic horror example in of all time, I'd say. Due to time constraints, we won't be able to cover every single major domain of dread that's listed in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. However, I will do my best to select um, domains of dread to give you a uh, an all all-encompass- encompassing all encompassing view of the different genres that I, of horror that I listed earlier. Um, you know, like there are some that are very similar in theme, like that are that are also gothic horror very similar in many respects to Barovia. And so I want to be able to give you sort of examples of each type and how you're able to use both. Uh, And so uh, in keeping with that, let's start off with Blutspur, the dark lord of which is the god brain of Blutspur. And the genre for this domain of dread uh, should come as no surprise that it's cosmic horror, seeing as how it deals mainly with mind flayers. So the god brain of Blutspur originally started as an elder brain uh, elder brain being the final life stage or uh, final stage of the life cycle for a mind flayer. And it's the, the research it was conducting uh, took a malignant and dangerous turn and revealed these sort of um, unspeakable truths and horrors to the elder brain and it caused it to begin feasting on uh, like on its cohorts, on its, on its peers, on its um, on the other elder brains around him uh, trying to gain their knowledge and their discovery and sort of um, form like this super elder brain. Um, not only did the, did the other elder brains, you know, revolt against him, his own body, like um, because of the evil that he was committing, began to revolt against him and uh, began to decay away as a result of this um, unknown disease. And so, you know terror you know horrified by by this disease that seemingly only afflicted elder brains the remain the surviving and remaining elder brains uh united against this um this traitor essentially um and expelled him uh from existence however as fate would have it the dark powers which we discussed in the first episode it's sort of this um noble cosmic entity in the domains of dread the dark powers that lord over the Domains of Dread, uh, plucked this Elder Brain out and gave him his own Domain of Dread known as Blutspur, where he was to be the Dark Lord of and be imprisoned by. Uh, Blutspur itself is just a complete and utter wasteland where seemingly nothing can survive on the surface, which is why all the action takes takes place underground. All these Mind Flayers live underground, uh, working feverishly, to appease the god brain of Blutspur, uh, who is actually used, who's still in the process of dying as a result of this affliction that it gained, uh, in this state, in the state of dying, the god brain has become more frantic and even more demented, and this sort of um, like irrational thinking seeps its way all across into the domain. You know, no one, uh, no one would without huge, you know, without a thinking about it long and hard uh, would willingly venture into this domain. And so if you, if a character, if someone finds themselves there, it's usually as a result of an abduction uh, and they are usually never seen again. Those who do return bear psychic scars of this horrible place with a massive mountain looming in the distance. The next domain of dread that we will cover is Falkovnia, alkovnia is think, um, Dungeons and Dragons meets the walking dead or 28 days later or night of the living dead. It's, um, it's D D inside of a zombie movie. So the dark Lord of Falkovnia is Vlatz Vlatska, Drekov, And the genre of this one is disaster horror, which is sort of as a subgenre of horror that I didn't bring up earlier, but, um, pretty much in keeping like, you know, that sort of like zombie apocalypse sort of I feel to it. Um, so Falkovnia is, is um, the sort of like totalitarian regime. Uh, everything is under military rule uh, under Drakov's rule. She is the head general. She is the president. She is the empress. She's, she's everything. And she rules her regime with an iron fist. Uh, the reason being is that every month at the new moon, a zombie uh, horde attacks the one remaining city of Lakar. Now the, everything, everything else in this domain of dread, every other uh, city, every other village uh, has been reduced to absolute rubble. There's nothing on the countryside but death and destruction. Lakar is the one remaining city uh, remaining. and Drakov has to uh, has to defend it every single month at the expense of uh, at the expense of the people um, that she rules. And like and many of these people wish to wish to escape. However, they are it's absolutely forbidden to try to escape. In fact, to do so, means that you will be impaled. That's and in fact that's the only punishment for any crime in falcovnia is impalement. So uh plotting to escape, you're going to get impaled. Uh stealing, you're going to get impaled. Uh jaywalking, I guess uh would be a crime uh probably uh you're going to get impaled. Now, the reason that uh Drakov you know if if you remember from our first episode where we discussed uh we, t- we we touched on the Domains of Dread. Um, there's usually some sort of um, like ironic or poetic justice that is uh, in keeping with why the Domain of Dread is the way it is um, and tied to its Dark Lord. So Vladska Dracov in her previous life, more or less, was the head of a mercenary group that was absolutely brutal, absolutely uh, ruthless, took no prisoners, and was, you know, they're very good at what they did. You know, they, they were, you know, hired guns, hired muscle, essentially. And uh, everything was going fine until uh, they killed one person. And, it, and the, the records don't indicate, you know, who this person was exactly. It says, none can say who the soul was, a prince, a saint, a witch, an angel, but with its death, the world turned against them, them being uh, Dracoff and um, her group of what's, what was known, her mercenary group, the Falcon's Talons. Dracoff, she was also known as the, as the Crimson Falcon, and so the Crimson Falcon ran the Falcon's Talons. And so after the, the murder of this, of this one person, this one being, wh- whoever they may be, uh, the world turned against them, They as, as opposed to hiring the mercenary group, they all banded together to take them down. However, Dracoff, being the brilliant, you know, military mind that she had that she was, that she and you know, being as ruthless as she was, actually defeated them one by one and was set on pretty much taking everything over when a mysterious cloud enveloped her and her people, her and her group. And when the crowd when the cloud dissipated, they were gone. Then they find themselves so they're gone from the material plane, like what, you know, where we're you know, or whatever world that they were from. And then they find themselves in this new land that you know that they that they're unfamiliar with, that they don't know where they are, but they say, Screw, let's just you know let's do what we're good at and conquer and subjugate, which is exactly what they do. And so it doesn't take long, but they conquer, you know, the, the biggest city, which uh, and which is uh, Lakar, and she re- renames the entire realm Falkovia. And But it's not too soon after that the, fir- that the new moon hits and the zombie whore begins to attack. And, you know, again, being the brilliant military mind that she is, she's able to repel the attack, And but it happens again the next month, and then the next month, and then the next month. And so she's stuck in this perpetual cycle of having to win a fight that she can never truly win. And it says that she has never admitted it to anyone, but she can see in the the face of every undead that attacks, she can see the face of an innocent person that her or her group has killed in the past. And so that is the awesome zombie outbreak domain of dread known as Phocomia. Up next in our domain of dread countdown is Har Akir, the dark lord of this domain of dread is known as Anctiput, and its genre is a sort of dark fantasy. Uh, I would argue that it's, um, uh, you know, if if, uh, if Barovia and Ravenloft is like your your Dracula. This is definitely like your like mummy. If this like as far as part of like un- old school like universal uh, monsters ago, this is this is definitely your mummy domain of dread. Um, the hallmark, you know, ancient tombs, pyramids, and mummies. Of course, uh, Ankh the pot of course is, is is a mummy himself, and so it's a, it's a desert, you know, wasteland, vast deserts, uh, deadly storms, water being scarce. Um, the the, the dark Lord of this domain of dread is like rules over his people and is obsessed with the lost treasure, which is, um, his cod, it's a, the missing piece of his fractured soul. So what happened with, with ankh is in his, in his previous world, he was the high priest of the Pharaoh. He actually, um, was high priest over three generations of rulers in, in his old world. Um, when the second Pharaoh died, the, the son took over. Um, however, uh, the son was not the ruler that, that his mother was the son was, um, unworthy essentially and very unpopular among the people and the priests. And so Onctopat, uh, schemed and plotted with his fellow priests. And on the day that um, where they would perform the ritual that would connect the the new pharaoh with the god, Onkapot and his uh, his priests murdered the pharaoh. However, as bad as the kid was, uh, the people still felt it that that was wrong. So, so they actually they rose up and they executed Octopat and his as as the other uh, treacherous priests, and so. Standing in front of the in front of his gods, uh, thinking he had done what the you know the gods bidding, thinking this is what he what the he, the gods wanted him to do because they because he also felt that the gods thought that the the son was unworthy to be pharaoh. Um, standing in front of them, he actually he misjudged you know what they wanted as well, and they condemned him. They cursed him. And they denied him entry into the afterlife and instead returned his soul minus one piece back to the world. And so he uh, his spirit is more or less reawakened, ex- except that um, his, his physical body was dead. And so he couldn't move. And he, so he's trapped and he could feel himself being mummified, having his body ripped open and his organs removed. And he could feel everything that was happening to him as he was being prepared for um for death, or prepared for, for burial rather. And so these his body is put in an unmarked crypt along with the rest of the along with the rest of the treacherous priests. And there he lay um for who knows how long. Um he, uh, it says that he claims that it felt like an eternity until one day when he heard a whisper asking if he still wanted to rule. And so the, whatever time had passed had not dissuaded Octopat over his desire or his belief that he was fit to rule. And he said, yes. And so much like every other dark Lord, they um, he was plucked uh, by the dark powers and placed into this domain of dread known as Harakir. And from here, this mummy god king Pharaoh ruler uh, rules over the the domain of dread and constantly um, is seeking that that la- that one piece of his soul that was stripped away. And so this uh, this you know if you especially have an interest in running um, like a mummy themed or an Egyptian themed adventure or campaign, or if you know your um, your party would be interested and that sort of uh, aesthetic this is definitely a very cool very interesting and unique way to go uh, because it combines all that with a little healthy chunk of horror and a bit of the macabre If Har akir can be used as a as a campaign setting for uh, like you know mummy like Egyptian type adventures or campaigns like if it's a throwback, to the old universal monsters, you know, mummy, then Cardiacast is definitely the throwback to the wolf man because Cardiacast is all about werewolves and lycanthropes in general. Uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a domain of dread that, uh, whose main theme is, uh, like hidden identities and pretending to be something that you are not, which is essentially, you know, what a lycanthrope, you know, does, um, you know, it's, uh, it's obsessed with performance. It's, uh, you know, everyone is, um, everyone's a performer, like the entire um, domain itself can be thought of as a stage. And the Dark Lord for Kartikas is Harkin Lucas. And um, much like, uh, much like Harakir, it's uh, the genre's uh it's there's some dark fantasy but there's also some gothic horror uh, mixed into it because because of that sort of like theatrical sort of um, idea and theme behind it so uh there isn't too much um uh that's unique uh that's um kind of uh, unique in, uh, about the uh, the the setting itself you know it's uh there's no unifying governments it's mostly like a collection of settlements and villages more so than anything but what makes it cool is, is it's dark Lord Harkin Lucas. So in, in his previous life, in his previous world, Harkin Lucas was born into a community of lycanthropes. And he had dreams of not only, um, like leading his own pack or leading a pack, but, uh, in fact, like leading an army or even a nation or even an empire, you know, of, of predators. Um, and so, he tried to convince his family, his clan, to to fall in line with his ambition, and uh, when they when they didn't when they didn't fall in line, uh, you know he reacted pretty poorly, attacked them, um, ended up being able to kill several of them, but barely escaped with his own life, and you know fled uh, you know away from the Lycanthrope tribe or clan and into um, into the world of humans. And uh, in the years that followed, he learned how to blend into, uh, you know, quote unquote, normal society, uh, how to manipulate people uh, very much, you know, in the in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, he's pictured with with a with a fiddle, you know, he's he's a bard, he's a performer, he's he pretends to be something that he isn't at all times. And so he became so popular, you um, that, like he he was, he was like legendary he was a legendary performer a legendary teacher he was a bit of a scoundrel he's I mean think of uh like you know Justin Bieber combined with Kanye West combined with Madonna combined uh, with um, yeah, Michael Jordan you know like just somebody who like he was like known throughout the realm um eventually though the the rulers, uh, sort of realized the threat that someone of that influence posed. And so they tried to have him arrested on trumped up charges. Um, but, you know, those really wouldn't stick. And the people defended him. The people loved him so much that they would defend him. And I guess they probably saw through the the, the lies of these, you know, invented crimes. Um, when uh, royal agents came for him, uh, he faked his death. You know, he pretended to be being killed by them and so outraged his loyal followers, like stormed the uh, the government, started a revolution. Uh, you know, within a week, it says that the nation's government crumbled and the defenders uh, um, or that the, the army that uh, overthrew the government was carrying around the red stained coffin that Harkin Lucas body was in. And so they brought it up to the castle, the royal palace, and there the, the head of the government, the, the king or the, the duke, whatever, you know, whatever sort of, um, you know, head of government that was there, you know, begged forgiveness and was trying to, you know, was pretty much saying anything that would spare his life and put an end to the revolution. Um, and I guess cooler uh, heads prevailed because the you know the the revolutionary force the the rebels agreed to you know to what the to what this person was saying, and it was at this moment that Harkin Lucas um, burst through his coffin. You know fake you know stopped the charade of faking his death. Burst through the coffin in his wolf form and devoured the king. Uh, so drenched in blood, the resurrected. Harkin returned to his human form and put on the crown that was once on the you know on the king's head while everyone cheered, everyone loved it. But before he could begin his reign, uh, that ever-familiar mist rose up and swallowed up Harkin Lucas. And when it cleared, he was gone you know, to the people in front of, the people, uh, you know, collect uh, a mass in front of the, the palace. Uh, and Harkin Lucas found himself in a fam- unfamiliar land known as Kartikos. So if, you, if you've if you got a, a group that is very, like, very theatrical in their role-playing, uh, this is going to be, the, this, this uh, using this campaign setting, using Kartikos, using this Domain of Dread, in uh in, as a campaign setting or in uh in a in a one shot adventure, uh it's gonna call for a lot of theatricality. So if your if your player group you know loves to role play, this would definitely be the one to pick. Our next domain of dread is I It is described as a domain trapped in a dream. Its dark lord is Sin's Chang. Uh, the genres are body horror and cosmic horror. Um, its hallmarks are that it's a um, it's always changing, uh, and it's an inescapable dream world. So the inhabitants of this city, when they fall asleep, they enter into an alternate version of the city that they um, that is being controlled by by Xiancheng. You know they are forced to constantly be working to improve the city. Um, In their dreams, so they sleep endlessly, and when they do wake, uh, they are starving because you know that they they haven't eaten because they sleep all the time, and so as a result, food is more valuable in this city than gold. So that is something to keep in mind if you do run some uh, campaign or adventure in this domain of dread. That your your copper, your gold, your platinum is going to be practically useless when compared to. Uh, the rations that your character may have Chang rules a city from her palace of bones uh, by day she is constantly working on plans to improve icath and by night she's ruling over her people uh, over the people's dreams and she has four daughters that um, that wander the city by day and then gather at the palace of bones by night uh, so you know how did Xian Chang come in, come to be the dark lord of this domain of dread of icath well, it's kind of a, uh, it's sort of a, it's a tragic story. Somewhat, you know, it's um, it's a story of uh, of a person of a woman who, um, uh, whose um goals sort of um like um like the ends justify the means in her mind, and as a result, it led her to this fate. So when she was a child, that um her home was destroyed by a colonizing force, and she. Lead into the frozen mountains, um, where she and everyone else you know who saw her, you know who knew of uh, her escape, expected her to die. Except that a gold dragon found her, took pity on her, and gave her shelter. And so, as a result, you know, um, Sen Shang sort of owed a, uh, a Wookiee life debt to this gold dragon. So, in the years that followed, she uh, you know tended the dragon while also learning mysterious magic and medicine and became a pretty accomplished wizard in that time. But throughout that time, she also still wanted to go back to her homeland and avenge her family and avenge her people and reclaim the land. Um, but the gold dragon sort of, you know, with the, um, the, the wisdom that the, uh, you know, the centuries provide uh, dragons uh, sort of like chided her for, you know, holding on to her hatred and, and and steadfastly steadfastly refused to teach her dangerous magic. Still, this thirst for vengeance, you know, refused to leave uh, Sin Cheng's mind, and so she continued to you know seek out ways that she could accomplish this goal, even without her mentor's help. Uh, so she learned of a certain bell known as the nightingale bell that um, could make its ringer's dream come true. Um, but what it Uh, required was the scale of a gold dragon, and then knowing that her, you know, protector her benefactor would not provide that scale for you know, for the reason that she wanted it for, she decided that she was going to drug him, drug the dragon, and take the scale from him just a small little scale, he probably won't even notice it's gone. Except that in her haste, um, she screwed up the concoction, she mixed the 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 herbal concoction uh, badly, poorly, and ended up killing the dragon and pretty much destroying everything around, you know, in in the area. And so, once again, uh, she is like her home has been destroyed. Uh, of course, you know what what domain of dread story isn't it without. It's sort of like you know, little twist. Um, one single gold scale remained. And so she used that to create the Nightingale bell, bell, and went back to her old city, rang it, and she wished for the city to be rid of its invaders. And instantly, the invaders vanished. Uh, there were a few lingering outside the city walls that were then executed, and almost immediately, Xian Chang was made the king of the uh, queen of the city. You know, she ruled for years with firm but fair rules. You know, had four beautiful daughters that she loved, um, but eventually sort of um, she became a little bit domineering. And the, uh, you know, her past accomplishments, it was sort of a, um, you know, what have you done for me lately kind of idea. And the people grew frustrated, you know, under her stern rule. And so, you know, revolution starts to boil, uh, rebellion starts to boil. And but she is, Shen uh, isn't trying to hear any of this. And starts executing rebels left and right, um, until uh, you know an assassin is sent to kill her. And while she survived, her family does not. So her four beloved daughters are killed. uh, So distraught, she climbs to the highest bell tower of her palace and rings a nightingale bell again. uh, And rather than granting her vengeful wish. the bell cracks, and a gold mist is uh, spread across the land. And when the mist clears, the ever-present mist from the domains of dread, uh, her perfect city is gone, replaced by the labyrinth, like labyrinth, labyrinth-like, labyrinthine-like prison city of icath This is uh, for me, like you know, like a lot of times there are. Um, you know uh these dark lords are just like just terrible bad people who like deserve to be uh deserve this sort of like um uh immortalized like prison sentence that they get um you know but uh, the you know this really interests me because this is a this is a character that you can um somewhat identify with this is a character that wanted to do the right thing and Like sort of let that let the power get to her and let it let let it uh, slip away from her so yeah that's why i picked this one and like i said it's got it's got dragons it's got uh like freddy krueger type um dream sequences uh it's got a lot of cool stuff and i think it'd make for an interesting campaign setting for an adventure and before we go any further let's go ahead and get to the middle of the show Hello and welcome to the middle of the show. The middle of the show is where we do a little bit of housekeeping, where we um, take the opportunity to uh, thank our patrons, one, to um, take a peek into the DMs Guild to see what kind of awesome uh, fan content uh, can be mined, usually uh, pertaining to the subject that we're talking about. And if there are some, and Crit being the, uh, mini maniac that he is if there are some cool minis out there that some uh, that just uh, got released or just got announced for sure you'd be uh you will you will find them here in the middle of the show uh, so first let's, let's go with the patrons we want to thank um each and every one of our patrons um, for contributing financially to support the show at uh, patreon.com slash lorecast there's uh, jaco h uh, coffee husky daniel p wolf the sheepdog jonathan s Text 10 Star, Remington Cloutier, Lupus Malum, and our newest patron, The Dog Indie. Thank you so much for signing up and uh, helping the show financially. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested in doing that, there are, are, there are all sorts of perks and benefits, uh, including uh, ad free episodes, early episodes, bonus episodes, t shirts, mugs, uh, painted minis, uh, um, one shot adventures that Crit will DM. And uh, and I will play in, and and we'll get uh, special guests to to join in and play as well. As uh, low as five dollars, all the way up to a hundred. If you can uh, can can contribute and uh, are interested in those benefits, uh, like I said, it's Patreon.com slash Lorecast. And of course, if you are in a position where you can't contribute financially and you still want to support the show, you can leave us a rating on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Or just you know su- uh, suggest the show to a friend, to a coworker, to someone you think would uh, enjoy it. You know, tell um, tell the uh, your fellow customers at your local gaming or comic book store about us. Um, you know, like I said, everything every listener that we get uh, helps us grow, and the bigger we get, the more we can contribute back to the to the tabletop role playing community and to the D anD D community. Um, so yeah, again, that's uh, patreoncom slash Lorecast if you are interested in that. And for the DM's Guild corner of the week, uh, wanna, I want to I want to find I found something that is uh, very much in keeping with today's topic, the domains of dread. This is Captain Snowmane's guided cruise through the domains of dread. Now, this isn't uh, this isn't uh, like a recap of Sort of, this isn't like, you know, kind of what we're doing today. In fact, they, uh, this book, this uh, book that's only going to cost you $14.95, presents you nine new domains of dread to horrify and delight you and your players. So each domain of dread comes with an overview page to introduce you to the domain and to its dark lord, a quick rundown of noteworthy features for the DM to keep in mind fleshed out settlements and sites to visit during your adventure in that domain in depth backstory and role play advice for the domain's dark Lord adventure seeds to throw your players straight into the action heaps of additional story hooks and information to keep the, to make the domain come to life. Plus notes from captain snow herself to help you live through the experience suggestions for stat blocks for the dark Lords and even some unique new creatures. And so this uh, this feels this looks and reads and is built just like, you know, your official D D book, as far as, you know, what to expect from it. Uh, I would, de- I would definitely recommend it if you are interested in the d- domains of dread and you're looking for just a little bit more, like I said, these are new brand nine brand new ones. Uh, and it's everything from um, stuff like uh, would be utopia that, um, that falls into endless civil war. Um, it's a uh, one that's sort of like a, like a dark fairy tale. Uh, one that is um, like a, like Texas chainsaw massacre, like kind of like in, it's called the domain of infernal agriculture, which looks really cool. So I would definitely recommend that you can find a link to it in the show notes. Again, it's from DMs guild. So the, the, you know, most of the money will go to the creators of this content. It's Captain Snowmane's guided cruise through the domains of dread. And thank you so much again for listening. Uh, Thank you uh, so much for uh, suggesting us if you can do that or for signing up for the Patreon, if you can do that. And with that said, we will go to the end of the show. Thank you for coming back from the break. And this is the end of the show. We're going to wrap up with a couple more domains of dread, followed by our magic item of the week. Uh, our next domain of dread is Richemelo. It's uh, a domain of disease and isolation and wear rats. Uh, this one is unique in that it's Dark Lord, Jacqueline Renier, uh, wasn't, uh, is actually an original inhabitant of this place. Um, It was like, you know, unlike the other Dark Lords, where they committed some awful deed on their original uh, world, their original plane, and then transported to this, uh, to the Domain of Dread, to their new locale. Um, Jacqueline Renier is uh, born and bred in Richmelo, which um, it's, think, um, like, think like the Black Plague meets D&D um so uh jacqueline René comes from the the like the royal family of uh of of the of the village of Richemelo, of of its um you know of the of that kind of that province or of sorts and um was worried because because of everything was going well really um that even like the the most common of people even like the the merchants and the, and the tradesmen were able to attain a level of success that really put them kind of almost on par with the nobility and Jacqueline was not cool with that and tried to um, convince her family of this and they just brushed her aside like hey you know what's good for the goose is good for the gander I guess um, and so she seeks out this group called the True Blood Council thinking that it's going to be um, like the secret society uh, with members of like the oldest and uh most influential and most esteemed Rishmelo families and instead she finds again like, the sewers where like the the meeting's supposed to take place a group of uh raggled uh you know um dirty commoners um except that they're actually were rats, and that uh she uh became a were rat that night um they turned her. And um, she, at first she was, I would guess anyone being turned into a were-rat were might be a little messed up about it, but she quickly, um, you know, grew to enjoy her life as a were-rat um, because in her mind, and there in the mind of the True Blood Council, the the, the rats were the first inhabitants, the original inhabitants of Rishmelo. And so uh, instead of, um, you know, her her ire turned from Uh, you know, the the commoners to anyone who, any like non-aware rat person. And so she um, began to turn her family. Uh, Only her twin sister resisted. um, And for that, she, uh, Jacqueline, disfigured her and exiled her. And so one by one, uh, her and the Troubla Council begin to turn everyone or kill everyone who does not want to be turned and to do so, they actually created this, this new plague. This, what's, it's known as the Gnawing Plague or just the Gnaws to, uh, to quickly um, vanquish all enemies and to, and to control Uh Only the, the family, the noble family themselves proved immune and pretty much uh, Jacqueline stood uh, as the highest born noble in all the land and the nation's de facto leader. And so you have the the people crying out for help, and she dis- and she refuses to help them. And it's at this point that the mist you know rise up and draw the entire uh, province of Richemelo into the domains of dread. So, like I said, this one's different in that usually it's one person being taken to a, a pre-existing domain of dread and becoming its dark lord. In this case, you have Jacqueline Renier essentially creating her own domain of dread and the dark powers, you know, accepting it. Um, but yeah, this one's really cool, you know, with it's disaster horror, kind of like, um, the zombie outbreak, but, uh, you know, it's a plague. It's, 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 a uh, like, you know, like I said, the, think the, the black death meets D and D it's also got a tint of Gothic horror, you know, with the nobility of the family and just sort of like that dichotomy between like Royal blood and common blood. Um. So this one's unique in that sense and as a result it's it's pretty cool. And the last domain of dread that we will cover in this episode is Tepis. Tepis is cool. It's um the one folklore uh domain of dread that we were able to get to tonight. Its dark lord is Mother Lorinda and it's it's this idyllic almost perfect seem, seemingly perfect village where it's beautiful, you know, everything is exactly as it should like, you know, picturesque. Um, like, something that sort of village you'd see in, like, an old Renaissance painting where um, you would think, like, man, like, it would be so lovely to live there. And, in fact, um, what, some of the lore is that anyone that is born there, like, never wants to leave. Um, but there is a dark, like, undercurrent underneath all of it. Uh, and it's a, it's due to Mother Lorinda, who started off um, as one of three sisters. There was herself, La Vida, and Leticia and they were essentially gifted to their mother by a fair by fairies um because their mother was very lonely and very honest very hardworking, very kind and she always wanted daughters but all she had uh was this jerk husband and her, her little butthead brother sons um and so um because she always wanted daughters um and because she was so kind she like she doted on them she loved them very much she cherished them and um as a result the 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 jerk father and the butthead brothers uh resented them and kind of made their life a, like a living hell um and that only got to be worse after the mother passed away so as a result of all this the sisters turned to a life of crime essentially they became like roadside bandits um you know uh, robbing travelers and even murdering uh wealthy strangers um that would you know that would um that would go through their villages that would go through the, the countryside uh, the village countryside um and once this they, once this was discovered they killed their father and killed their brothers and you know as they began their murder spree or is that as it began to unfold that's when the mist rose up and when they found themselves when the mist clear they found themselves um in this unfamiliar land called tepest um and that's actually when it was revealed that they were, act- they, that they were hags the entire time. So the fairy gifted these children to this mother, but as most, uh, you know, most fae gifts, there's always some, there's always some hook. There's always some catch. And so these children ended up being hags. And so, um, living in uh tapest, they learned magic. They, um, you know, become very powerful due to the the phase there, the tepes that uh, are teaching them. But much like uh, their mother, much like her mother, Lorinda always wanted to have you know a, a child of of her own, and so she re, you know she asked her sister, she asked Lavita and Leticia um, to help create a child of their own, but they refused because they didn't want to have to share their their knowledge of the of magic and secrets, and so. So what lorinda does is secretly create a creature uh it's made of animal parts brambles like sticks and foul magic and that and that's sort that um that uh creation is you know later known as one of lorinda's children she constantly creates this creature this child only for it to to die um after a few weeks because um it's not you know it's it's not meant to live and that's sort of lorinda's curse um so she creates the first of these lorinda's children and with its help uh ambushes her sisters and, and they and she's able to trap them inside of her magic cauldron uh a la wild beyond the Witchlight. and so ever since then um your sisters are trapped she continuously creates um these 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 creations these lorinda's children's which um have a lifespan of only a few weeks. So that's kind of her curses to constantly, um, you know, be losing her, her creation, her child. Um, and, but she's able to use the villagers of Tepis to uh, prolong the life a little bit longer um, through sacrifices from uh, the fertility celebration that happens each season, which is known as the tide. So you've got like human sacrifices, You've got ancient lore involving hags. You've got um, foul magic creating abominational creatures. Uh, so, Tepis is a lot of fun. Tepis is really cool. Like, if you're, if Midsummer, uh, if Wicker Man is sort of your jam, if you think that, if you know your, um, your party is fans of that sort of aesthetic, that sort of idea of folklore, then Tepis might be the campaign or the campaign setting for your next adventure for sure. And those are all the domains of dread that we'll be able to cover, that we have time to cover in this episode. Uh, however, um, the uh, handful, the half dozen or so that remain, uh, we will be covering them in a bonus exclusive Patreon episode. Uh, so if you are interested in listening to that, you can go to patreon.com slash to figure out um, how to sign up, uh, what tier, um, and uh, you can listen to it, and it'll be out next week. This brings us to the end of the show, and of course, at the end of every episode, we try to uh, give out a homebrew magic item, or magic item of the week. Usually it's crit doing the, the homebrewing and and giving you something that you can throw into your campaigns, but since he's not here, I'm going to try it. I'm going to put on my, uh, my crit cap and do my best crit impersonation and see what I can do. Nothing too fancy, nothing too exotic, but something that's definitely going to help you if you are thinking of running a campaign or an adventure in one of these Domains of Dread, um, there is the Detect Evil and Good spell. It's a first level divination spell that's uh, available to clerics and paladins. Um, for uh, It's a concentration spell for up to 10 minutes. And for the duration of that, um, you can see uh, uh, aberrations, celestials, elementals, fey, fiends, or undead within 30 feet of you. As well as where the uh, creature is located. Um, however, this magical item known as Zednanrez Ring of Undead Detection uh, acts—it's uh, a uh, acts as that uh, much like a wand would. It, that ring essentially casts that spell nonstop while you have it on. So while you have it on, you're essentially casting the Detect Evil and Good spell. So. Um, as opposed to having to cast the spell, um, you know, spend an action to do so, and then concentrate doing so for up to 10 minutes, you can do it 24-7, even if you aren't a Cleric or Paladin. And like I said, if you are thinking of running a campaign in one of these domains of Dread, that is something that's going to come in very handy. I would recommend giving it to your players right off the bat, perhaps... um, or maybe doing so, and then ha- and then taking it away from them through some um, through something that happens um, in the in the adventure or the campaign. Um, but either way, it could, it's something that could uh, that could definitely come in handy when they are in your Barovias or your uh simply because you're going to be dealing with all manner of not only just undead creatures, but also like you know, like the spell says you Know your um, your fiends or your uh celestials or your elementals or your uh phase, so it's called Zednan Res Ring of Undead Detection, essentially casting the detect evil and good spell. Um, whether you know on, on for any, anyone who's wearing it can cast it. Um, so yeah, so that's pretty much it. Uh, uh, thank you so much for listening. Um, crit, uh, he usually you uh, usually spend the last few minutes of the episode you know plugging our other shows for me personally. Um, it's fandom university, a uh, the, a thinking man's nerd podcast thinking nerds podcast, I guess about all sorts of um like nerdy things that uh, that come from comic books movies. Uh, right now we're doing batman eighty nine like we talked about the first two Batman movies by Tim Burton. And then in the second episode of that series, uh, we'll talk about the batman eighty nine comic book which um, acts as a, as a sequel to Batman returns and sort of disregards Batman forever and Batman and Robin. And then we'll finish off that series by talking about the new Batman movie which just came out, but yeah, we've done aliens. We've done uh, resident evil. We've done um, the scream movies. It's a lot of good fun. We have a, we have guests on there uh, occasionally that we talk to, they're much uh, more, much uh, more interesting and smarter than us. So it's always a good thing. And as far as crit goes, I, knew, uh, I know he'd want to be here. Um, he, he loves all of y'all, uh, but he's got a gaggle of shows, uh, Fumbling For and the Almighty Crit is his uh, homebrew D&D live play podcast. He's got um, Cyberpunk, his Cyberpunk Red podcast, uh, Mythos Mysteries, his Call of Cthulhu live play podcast. Uh, he's got his uh, Legend of Zelda lore cast, Resident Evil lore cast. His um, uh, Night of Darkness, um, Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast. Uh, I know there's several more. I just don't have them in front of me. And there's there's very there's so many that he's a uh, he's he's a very talented guy. I don't know where he finds the time for all of this. Um, but all of the content he creates is 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 great. And like I said, I like, I can't imagine how how he do know how he does it. I don't know. He's a he's he's a he's a 21st century renaissance man. Yeah, links to all of his shows plus the my show uh, are available in the show notes as well as the DM's, uh, the DMs Guild Corner of the Week pick and a bunch of other cool stuff that you can find. So thank you so much again for listening uh, to me talk about uh, cool, spooky, evil stuff for an hour. We'll be back next week with they look at the brand new Critical Role Call of the Netherdeep official d adventure uh, very excited about that. you know critical role is a juggernaut uh, wildly popular so it's very cool to see um, more official d and d content from that uh, you know from them being released. so thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. have a great one. Thanks for listening to the Dungeons & Dragons Lorecast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with a friend, following us on Twitter at DNDLorecast, or jumping on the Robots Radio Discord to chat more with us about Dungeons & Dragons. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people.